Today's episode of One Shining Podcast is brought to you by The Ringer. Yes, that's right. That's what you're listening to. And uh, before we get into One Shining Podcast today, we got to talk about some big things happening at The Ringer, and that is The Ringer F1 Show with Kevin Clark and Megan Schuster. They're both going to be boots on the ground live in Miami for the big F1 Grand Prix in Miami, the second year that this has happened. So shout out to them. Go check that out. First episode came out on Wednesday. They're going to have a nice recap after all that. Also, we got UFC. 288 this weekend so I did my show through the ringer with Chuck Mendenhall broke it all down so if you're if you're a UFC fan go check that out all good things are happening on the ringer.com if you're into the NBA playoffs you can get everything you want and more there and of course listen to the great ringer podcast network now let's get into one shining podcast this episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube cars can be a big investment so it's important to take care of them I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. On today's episode of One Shining Podcast, we are talking transfer portal, tampering, recruiting, all the big topics of the offseason with our guy from 24-7 Sports, Travis Branham. He is, um, you know, one of these guys that just kind of knows, right? We love insiders. We love people that are in the know in this business. And uh, Travis is going to come on. He's going to get us up to speed on what the biggest storylines are this offseason when it comes to the transfer portal and things of that nature. Also, I'm going to do a little... Um, a rant probably is the best way to describe it. I'm a little upset, Kyle. I was watching the the Warriors and the Lakers play. I saw some Nike branding decisions that were throwing me for a loop a little bit, and I know where they're coming from. I know the root of it all, so I'm going to talk about that at the top, but this is a college basketball-specific show. We're in the offseason. We got some big storylines. Hunter Dickinson, one of the biggest ones, he is uh, finessing everybody in media right now. He keeps saying, listen to my podcast where I'm going to tell you where I'm going to go. And then he doesn't tell anyone, um, which is genius. I kind of love it. I, uh, I have nothing but respect for that. Continue to get people to listen to your podcast, Hunter, do what you got to do. Hock um, those purple mattresses. Dude. Right. Do what you got to do, man. Get paid, get paid young fella. Um, so respect there. Um, again, this is going to be a jam packed show. We got myself, we got Kyle in studio. It, it's, it's all good things. It's the college basketball off season, this low stakes stuff. Uh, anything else, Kyle, before we get into this conspiracy theories and the Rictator back in the newsfeed, baby. But first, Woody Durham. He takes the time out. All right, welcome back into One Shining Podcast. We are at the Spotify headquarters right now. We're at HQ. It's uh, Wednesday, May 3rd. I'm still your host, Tate Frazier, and the offseason continues to roll on. We got a lot of things going on in the world of sports. We got Formula One. We got UFC 288. And I'll be honest with you guys, I would not know any of this unless I hosted a TV show called Through the Ringer where I get up to speed on all these things. But now I'm locked in, Kyle. Now, now I... Uh, now I have more things to talk about on the show. So even more topics that are not college basketball. Who would have thought? You uh, you fake it till you make it. And my friend, you've made it. I, I got it. You you believe in the lie and you you wear it well. Right. Well, it's not a lie if you believe it. That's what George Costanza <laughs> uh, right. taught all of us a long time ago. And that is something that I live and uh, and die by in this space of podcasting. But today we got a jam-packed show. We got our guy, Travis Branham, who is going to come on. He is a 247 
insider, national basketball analyst, a.k.a. He doesn't have his NBA, but he has his NBA, uh, but he's not in the NBA. A lot of, lot of acronyms we'll talk about with him, but transfer portal, tampering, all the topics that I mentioned that are going to be the off-season tropes we'll get into. Um, but I had something that was really personal to me happen while uh, I was watching the Lakers and the Warriors last night. Um, or two nights ago, if you're listening right now on Thursday. Um, but, you know, this is game one. For the people that, you know, are, are just joining the show for the first time, back in the day, before Kyle was the great producer of the Bill Simmons podcast, I was the produce, producer of the Bill Simmons podcast, and we would cover the Golden State Warriors because they were so close. Bill had an affinity for them. They also had this one superstar, Stephen Curry, who was breaking basketball right before our very eyes. Um, I was fortunate enough to uh, have a friend of mine be on the team, James Michael McAdoo. So when the Warriors would come to L.A., sometimes I would be lucky enough to go to dinner with the team. And, you know, Andrew Bogut told me one time that continuity is the the most important thing in the NBA. It's always stuck with me, right? So had these moments, had this connective tissue with the Warriors. They drafted my guy Harrison Barnes, seventh overall uh, back in 2012. So I always liked the Warriors. They always had a soft Steph spot. Steph Curry in my heart. tweeted you one time. Steph Curry follows me on Twitter, Kyle. <laughs> All right. I, okay. <laughs> All right. A lot of people want to talk about the retweet, but they don't want to talk about the follow because the retweet is a joke. The follow is real. Um, shout out to Steph Curry. He's a Carolina Panthers fan. I know we're both excited about Bryce Young, but I say all this to say I'm watching the Lakers and the Warriors. This is the big showdown. This is the legacy battle, right? It's Curry versus LeBron. Curry just had a 50 point game seven. We're talking about Mount Rushmore. We're talking about, you know, all these dumb analogies that actually don't make any sense. But when you hear it, you're like, Ooh, that's pretty provocative. I like that. Um, Stephen A. Smith, our guy, uh, he, he's all over it. He's saying that if Steph Curry can beat LeBron James here, he is going to be officially on the Mount Rushmore of basketball. There's a lot going on uh, when it comes to legacies at play here, but we get it. It's LeBron, our Goliath, Curry, our David. It's biblical, right? We know Curry writes on his shoes. I can do all things through Christ um, who strengthens me, right? That's his big thing. Um, so here, here we are, right? This is the... This is the show that we've all we've all been waiting for. And since LeBron came to L.A., we've been wondering, wishing, hoping um, that this would happen. And I talked to Van Lathan a little about a little bit about this. He's a Lakers fan. And I said that LeBron has kind of operated in his universe. Curry's been in his universe. And it feels like D.C. and Marvel are coming together um, in this series. And guess what, folks? Game one delivered. It delivered across the board. We got um, a high stakes game. We got, you know, all types of back and forth. We got LeBron with some big moments. We got Curry with some big moments. Unfortunately, Jordan Poole did not have a big moment. He had a, a, an open shot late in the game. Um, I'm not going to go at his neck about that. I know a lot of people are going at Jordan Poole. How could you take that shot? Um, I watched Jordan Poole in college against Houston hit one of the most ridiculous shots I've ever seen. It, it was like a jumping jack. You remember this, Kyle. Oh, yeah. you, you were watching basketball at this time, and then he proceeded to run all over the place. Of course, <laughs> Duncan Robinson was on his team at the it was time. It really endearing. It was great. It was great. So Jordan Poole has had moments before. I'm not comparing a college basketball moment to an NBA moment. I know it's two different sports, basically. But at the same time, Jordan Poole has this confidence for a reason. When he sees a 28-footer and he's wide open, he's going to take the shot. I personally would have liked Steph Curry to be taking that shot, but that's besides the point. The bigger conversation I want to have is not even about basketball. It's about branding. Um, and if you know anything about brands, I'm obsessed with brands. Kyle Mann is, is also like that. We, we love talking about Nikes of the world, the Adidas of the world, the Under Armors, the New Balance, the Pumas, right? Who's hot? Who's not? Who's tracking? Who's not? All that sort of stuff. Um, but the number one head honcho, and it has been since, you know, we talk about the movie Air, since Michael Jordan decided and his mom helped him decide that Nike was going to be the answer, Nike is top dog, right? They, they are, you know, if you watch the show Top Boy, right, they, they run the fields, right? That is what Nike does. They, they are the number one brand. And the interesting thing about this game one is all eyes, I, I, we haven't seen the ratings yet, but all eyes are on LeBron versus Steph. This is the magic versus bird of this generation, right? LeBron is more magic. Steph is more bird because you, you really can't, you know, comprehend how this guy's getting it done, but he does get it done. They're also, I think Larry Bird is honestly underrated as one of the best shooters ever. I would have said he was the best shooter ever before Steph Curry. Um, so I think 
the bird curry comparison magic is a six, eight point guard who can also play center and do basically everything on a basketball court. Magic went to eight out of 10 finals straight, which is something LeBron didn't even do. So LeBron and, and magic, they, they, they make sense, right? It all, it all checks out. So from a branding standpoint, you got everything that you want. So you go into this game, you're playing in the Bay, you're playing in Chase Center. I was there last year in Chase Center for the NBA Finals. It was a great atmosphere. Celtics came to town. Things were going crazy. I was like, you know, I miss Oracle, but I like what I'm seeing here. It was a fun atmosphere. It's all good. Last night, it felt off, Kyle. I'm watching this game, um, you know, in Chase Center, and the Lakers are wearing yellow. And I know this is going to sound really dumb, but the Lakers are wearing their their golden jerseys and they're playing at Golden State in a game one. The entire crowd is also wearing gold. So if you're watching this game at home, you're saying to yourself, all right, well, the Lakers got, you know, they're playing at home tonight. Uh, no, they're not. And this is an NBA, a new experiment that started back in 2017 because there's a lot of people that are like, well, why is the home team not wearing white? Why would the Warriors decide to wear black jerseys they're, they're city jerseys, right? These are basically their alternate jerseys. They look ridiculous. It doesn't even look like the Warriors. The court is painted black. It just, from a branding standpoint for the Warriors, you're like, ugh, that, that is the one word for it. Gross. I don't like it. It doesn't look good. And now my brain is working because, again, I'm thinking about brands as I'm watching this game. The basketball is amazing, but the branding is something that's in my head. And Nike makes all these decisions. So to break the fourth wall, the uniform combinations for the year and through the playoffs are decided by Nike. And this started in 2017. And Nike says, this is what you're going to wear. I remember last year, um, one of the Celtics trainers or, or, you know, managers, whatever they are, that the equipment manager is probably his title. He was talking about how the Celtics wanted to wear a certain combination, but Nike wouldn't let them and yada, yada, yada. There was all, you know, some of the traditional Celtics fans were like, we should be wearing this. We should be doing that. And they're like, we would love to as, as a franchise. That is the decision that we would like to be a part of. But unfortunately, Nike, love me. <laughs> yeah, Nike made this choice, right? This is Nike's doing. They just do it. That's what they do. Nike just does it. And they say, we'll answer your questions later, but shut up for now. And this is where the conspiracy hat comes on, you know, and, and maybe this is uh, my first take slash first Tate moment, um, you know, where I, maybe I'm, I'm jumping too far in the weeds here, but I'm watching this game. The branding of the Warriors is terrible. The Lakers are wearing the home colors. LeBron is in this moment going to help stamp and grow his legacy. We remember in 2018, the J.R. Smith moment where he brings the ball back out and LeBron's like, what are you doing? How could you be this dumb? And they ended up losing this game in 2018 and they end up getting swept. But the goal when you go to Golden State is just to steal one game. And that is what the Lakers did last night. LeBron gets a little redemption for 2018. But to go back to the Nike part of it, right? Steph Curry is not a Nike guy. And, and we can work that back. About 10 years ago, 2013, Steph Curry was a Nike guy. In college, he, they started a whole campaign. Obviously, it was based on LeBron, but LeBron decided to pass the baton to Stephen Curry. It was witness, right? In quotations, witness, witness greatness, witness LeBron James, witness the king in person. And then from there, they looked at this young skinny kid who just knocked off Georgetown and Raleigh, North Carolina. They're saying to themselves, oh my God, who is this kid? Witness Steph Curry, Nike t-shirts, witness with just the check mark. I spent like three days as a kid. Uh, this is like right when Google was just getting hot and popping, trying to find those witness Nike t-shirts back in the day when I was a freshman. They were, they were impossible to find, but regardless, the branding there was Nike, witness, LeBron, Curry. LeBron's going to Curry's games. It, it was all this connective tissue, but it was all Nike. So let's, let's fast forward. 2013. LeBron is at the peak of his powers with the Miami Heat coming, trying to get his second championship, right? Just won his first one in 2012. Steph Curry's contract is up. This is before the Golden State Warriors have done really much of anything. Steph Curry, I think he'd only been an all-star once, maybe hadn't even been an all-star, but he goes into his Nike meeting. He's making around two and a half million dollars a year. He says, hey, Under Armour uh, has offered me $4 million and a signature sneaker. Great, great news, right? Nike, you got to match that. You got to keep your guy. Witness, witness Steph Curry. 
They say, no, we're not going to do that. You move on. There was also all these stories that they had a presentation for Steph and that they had Kevin Durant's name on um, the presentation instead of Stephen Curry and that someone in the room called him Stephon Curry instead of Stephen Curry. So there was there was more to it than that. But regardless, Under Armour says, we believe in you. We're going to give you a signature shoe. You're going to be the face of our brand. Yada, yada, yada. And then from there, Steph Curry is unanimous MVP. Steph Curry is a back-to-back MVP. Steph Curry could have won back-to-back championships if not for the LeBron 3-1 amazing moment in time. And guess what happens, folks? Steph Curry's got a market share. Steph Curry's selling sneakers, right? Steph Curry is the conversation in basketball. And guess what? The alpha dog, the top dog, uh, you know, is saying the top brand is saying the entire time, Nike, they're like, oh my God, this is, this is going to be a colossal F up. Like, what do, what do we do here? What do we do about Steph Curry? How do we stop this machine? What could stop this behemoth that is on the way? Well, maybe you send Nike's number two guy to Golden State and maybe he gets all the credit. Maybe they say it wasn't Steph Curry, right? Maybe they, maybe they say it was all Kevin Durant. And guess what? The NBA Finals turns into, Kyle. It's LeBron James, Nike's number one guy for $500 million in a lifetime contract versus Kevin Durant. Nike's number two guy who just got a lifetime contract from Nike in 2017 and 2018. As much as we all knew as basketball viewers, it's LeBron versus Steph. Now we're talking LeBron versus Durant. Nike winning the war, winning the PR battle. This is what Nike does. So now we get back to game one, 2023. Here we are sitting here. Steph Curry's not wearing a home white jersey. Ugh, gross. Looking bad. He's also an Under Armour guy. So Nike's like, let's... Let's do our best here to make sure that he is not looking in, in, in a flattering way um, as we try to make sure we can devalue um, <laughs> this product as much as we can. Because again, Steph Curry has a market share. We're not saying that Under Armour is going to go out there and sell a bunch of sneakers, but that's not even the game anyway. LeBron's not moving sneakers like none of these guys are. I mean, they have their moments like Paul George when the PG1s came out, they moved a little bit. Kyrie's shoes can move a little bit. The Kobe's have their own like archival market that people are all into. We see Jalen Brunson's wearing the, you know, the, the Kobe uh, Grinch sneakers, right. in in the playoff game and MSG game two there for the Knicks. So Nike's working, Nike's working the circuit. And I say all this to say Nike is doing a hell of a job because LeBron James wins this game. It feels like the crowd's not into it. Uh, It felt like it was almost a Lakers home game. For example, Harrison uh, Ingram, a new Tar Heel, former Stanford Cardinal, he's at the game and he's at the Warriors home facility and he's got a great seat. And guess what? He's like putting on his Instagram story. We here for the King, right? Lakers are making shots in this game. And you're saying to yourself, I mean, is the crowd cheering? Right? This would never happen in Oracle Arena. This is this is not what we signed up for. And Nike, by making these decisions over time, they have done a great job of keeping the narrative focused on the Nike athlete, whether it be LeBron, whether it be Kevin Durant. But let's take the spotlight away from Steph Curry as much as possible. My conspiracy hat is on. I can see it. It makes it makes no sense in the sense that why would you want the Warriors to wear black jerseys at home in a game one um, with Steph Curry at the peak of his powers coming off a 50 point game. But also, if you think about it from a Nike vantage point, they don't care what he looks like. Who's the number one Nike guy on the Warriors? I asked the question. And what do you say? You're saying, well, maybe probably Clay. No, Anta, China. He's not there. Um, let's go to our number three guy, Andrew Wiggins. I'm not even sure Andrew Wiggins has a shoe deal. And then I looked it up and it's not Nike. So he's not a (laughs) Nike guy. Uh, And then you go to number four, Kyle. Who's number four? Draymond Green. Boom. All right. So there, there is another wrinkle in this whole Nike conspiracy that we're putting on against Steph Curry. This is, this is even, this is even bigger than you can imagine. What is Draymond Green's podcast for? I ask everyone, people are looking around. I don't know. What is it for? Drake said he shouldn't have one. Well, here's what it's for. We control the narrative, right? What is the main Nike narrative? LeBron is the GOAT. And it has been since he came into the league because it's genius marketing because Michael Jordan fans are a fickle group and they're also, you know, we we live in nostalgia, right? So nostalgia changes your brain. Your, your frequencies are all fired up. 
He wore 23 from the start, a Nike decision, something that they wanted him to do. So it's always a comparison between Michael Jordan, LeBron James, um, and now Draymond Green is helping propagate the LeBron conversation narrative. He calls him the GOAT, right? And he's Nike's number one guy on the Warriors. And guess what? A lot of people think he might be leaving the Warriors because the Warriors are not a Nike property. They are not a Nike uh, you know, team because Steph Curry is not a Nike guy. Um, the conspiracy is there. If you want to put your tinfoil hats on with me, enjoy this series. I hope it goes seven games, but I, I am just locked in on the Nike Steph Curry facet of, of this whole thing because uh, please let the Warriors wear good jerseys, Nike. I think that's really what it comes down to. Let them wear home jerseys. Let the Lakers wear their home jerseys. Let's let it be good basketball. Let, let's not let me get focused on the brand too much. But um, in this war, in this culture war of brands, Nike, as always, as is tradition, is winning the war. I had to point this out. It's breaking my brain, Kyle. So shout out to Steph Curry. He's fighting the good fight out there. Um, <laughs> we're doing our best as uh, as the conspiracy theorists in the basketball world to, to make it all make sense. But um, now that we're done with that, I got that off my chest. I feel a lot better. We got our guy, Travis Branham from 247. He's going to join us right now. We're going to talk about the transfer portal, talk about tampering. Like I said, talk about all the hottest topics in college basketball. So if you're here for the college basketball part of the show, stay tuned. It's coming up right now. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, now joining us on One Shining Podcast, he is someone that if you are a college basketball fan, you have to keep up with him, see what's going on in the world of recruiting and transferring and all types of topics we'll get into today. He is 247's very own Travis Branham. Travis, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Thanks for having me, man. Excited to be here. Yeah, it's, uh, there's a lot of conversation in the world of college basketball right now about what's going on in the portal, right? Everyone's coming up with different terms on portaling. And, you know, obviously we have the, the new term that used to be an NBA term and tampering. You're a guy who's covering all these commitments and, and we'll get into the specific conversations. But just generally speaking, I had to ask you this. How difficult is your job now as opposed to maybe what it was before the portal became such a novel, you know, new thing in the space? And how do you kind of keep your brain um, intact? Because it seems insane from the outside looking in. What's going on with you? Uh, it's, it's chaotic. I mean, just from the outside looking in for anybody that just follows college basketball, I mean, just what you imagine is the reality of it all. Um, extremely fast pace. Uh, you're working all day, every day, just about, I start my mornings at about four 30, uh, <laughs> try to get a quick workout in, uh, and then start my day working by six, six 30. So, um, it's a grind, man. Um, very chaotic and hard to keep up with. And then once those live periods hit, that's kind of, uh, it used to just be the live periods this time of year, following the transfer portal and the market of all that didn't used to, uh, wasn't this way, obviously, um, used to just be those live periods. And that was the start of your busy season, but now it really ramps up in March. And so you're tripling just about tripling your workload. Um, so it is not easy. It's not necessarily good for the mental health all the time. So, um, I try to, I try to force myself. My escape is golf. So I try to force myself into going to play one, two rounds a week. Cause again, we're traveling. Uh, I think I was on the road 
probably 16 days this month on top wow. of it all. So, um, yeah, it is, it's, it's a grind, uh, but we are near the end of it. So you start to catch a bit of a second wind um, as this thing's coming down. And obviously at this point in the portal, we got the high quality ones. We got the significant news coming. Um, obviously with Hunter Dickinson being one of those, we're coming down to decision time for him. Um, potentially some big names, more big names popping in. We already had Grant Nelson this week. Uh, he hasn't hit the portal yet, but um, yeah, it's just comes and goes waves and it's, it's a grind, man. You just kind of have to hold on for dear life. Yeah, right. Golf is, uh, is my escape as well. It's like the one thing that uh, you can have that kind of keeps you in the present, right? As everything else is always going, you're getting anxious, you're thinking about other stuff. Golf can kind of keep you there in the present moment in time. Um, you mentioned Hunter Dickinson. I have called him on this show the Bigfoot of college basketball because his imprint is everywhere. I feel like he's at a new school um, every single week. He's got a new update on a new situation. It's actually been um, fascinating, you know, as he describes like the recruiting pitches from all these teams. Like, you know, I, I saw a clip where he was talking about Villanova. He's like, Jay Wright comes in. He tells me he's basically the pre- the president of basketball ops now for Villanova. <laughs> like, we're getting all this, all this intel, all this insight. And one little nugget that I thought was funny with his recruitment is that he's basically saying, listen to my podcast and then you'll see um, when I will commit, which I, I think that's obviously new. Um, so for someone like you, that is an insider that, that kind of tries to keep up with all this stuff. How weird is that, that you're having to now keep up with a guy's podcast schedule? Yeah, it's, uh, it's honestly unique and kind of cool in a way. Um, just the fact that some of these kids, the way they're owning, uh, just the NIL market. And he's one of those guys that's doing it right now. And I think it's, I don't know if I would say it's going to be more, more likely we start seeing this type of thing with transfers because a lot of these college or these high school top tier high school players um one they're not big enough but two none of them are really in the podcasting game and all that stuff but when these kids get in college there's a lot of college athletes that are starting these podcasts and stuff um just to kind of start putting their name out there some of them are just really interested in college basketball and kind of going into media and all that stuff uh so seeing him take this avenue is pretty cool to be honest with you um, but it's, it's definitely been a whirlwind. I mean, they had everybody thinking that they were going to announce on Tuesday with the way they're kind of promoting it and teasing it, um, frustrated a lot of people. Um, <laughs> right, right. Uh, you would imagine so. Yeah. Yeah. There, that, the, the Twitter timeline yesterday was just loaded with a lot of people complaining about just the way they teased it and had everybody thinking, but, uh, his recruitment is definitely extremely interesting, uh, and the way that he kind of broke down his, visits extremely unfiltered for the most part <laughs> if i if i go to a high school event or talk to any of these transfers and just talk to them about um what their visits and stuff are like they're they're a lot less candid um they're a lot more politically correct uh not necessarily talking about going out to the bars the bars and the parties and all that stuff like hunter did um but it's definitely an interesting twist and i think again that it's going to be with this nil age it's going to be a growing trend, especially for these college athletes that's already built a national name uh, and they kind of have a, some sort of outlet and avenue where they kind of can express this without having to go through a, a third party media member. Yeah. And these guys, I mean, these kids are that are in college now, like they grew up in a decision era of the NBA, right? And in an AAU era where you did go play with your friends or you tried to, you know, make that happen. So like we expect it, we get used to it. Um, you're in the crystal ball business, which I always, I love the crystal ball predictions. Um, you know, I like to joke with my friends that it's actually someone named crystal balls that, uh, is actually just this college basketball genius that knows where everyone's going to go. Hunter Dickinson is breaking the crystal ball. Um, every single time I look, it is a new school that is the favorite. Um, the school that was once the favorite is now off the board for him. Uh, w- what is going on with the crystal ball with Hunter Dickinson? Do you, do you have any, any predictions or at this point, are we just waiting for him to drop it on the podcast? Like I was joking about before, but is that reality? It's basically the reality. I mean, I got some kind of leanings, uh, if you will. I mean, obviously the top four teams out there right now is Kentucky, Villanova, Kansas, and, and uh, Maryland. Uh, and it's funny. If you talk to anybody, it depends on the region and the country you talk to. Uh, if you talk to people who are located near Kansas, Kansas people are saying this is a race between them and Maryland. If you talk to people around the Maryland region, they're saying this is a race between uh, Kentucky and Maryland. 
but for me, I'm actually based in Lexington, Kentucky. So I actually kind of break the mold uh, and based on kind of everything that I've been able to gather. And again, the intel is not easy to gather and there's really not much to gather. Nobody really knows. But if I'm guessing right now, I'm putting my money on either Kansas or Villanova. And I think Villanova is a real sleeper. People got upset with me yesterday just because I tweeted about him not committing and I left them off the list. I was just a brain fart. I actually do think that they are a legitimate, legitimate contender uh, to reel him in when this ultimate decision finally comes. Yeah, and Justin Moore, I think they played uh, AAU basketball together, so they're teammates. And when Justin, you know, he was getting recruited around, right? He was a name that, you know, a lot of schools thought they could go after. He decides to stay at Villanova. That was a big, uh, big get for, you know, Neptune and that whole staff. So, yeah, it is fascinating. Uh, another name is the high school guy who is the top name, Mackenzie Mbako, who was supposed to go to Duke. He was the, the you know, their top guy. I watched him at the Nike Hoop Summit. I thought I thought he looked great. Uh, you know, I thought he really stood out in that game. And now, you know, I've seen some people leaking. He could go here. He could go there. But then the people that are actually close to him, right, they're saying everything's private. Everything you hear is a smokescreen. And it's your job as an analyst and as an insider to kind of sift through those smoke screens. What what is that process like for you? And how how hard and how difficult is it with high school kids, especially, to try to read between the lines? Uh, it's really hard, especially in today's era with NIL. Things change. Like I mean, recruiting has always been very fluid, but now it changes on a dime. Right. Uh, it changes literally visit to visit. There's a kid I'm I'm following currently. I'm tracking his transfer recruitment. At this point, he's committed, my understanding, to two, maybe three different schools since on each visit. It seems like he commits. Um, and so that's just... I, I kind of like that approach. You. you just tell everybody what they, what they want to hear, right? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but with McKenzie, uh, yeah, I'm trying to figure out what, what the truth is. Um, when he first backed out of, of Duke, the team with the most buzz behind the scenes was Louisville. Um, and I do very much still believe that they're in the picture um, but I think based on what I've gathered, it sounds like they've lost a little traction. They got to They got to pick up some more ground. Um, to me personally, if I'm, if I'm going to be, uh, kind of handicapping this recruitment, I'm looking at him going closer to home, whether it be, uh, Rutgers or somewhere like St. John's, he is going to take a St. John's visit. So I got my eye very close on those guys. He did take a visit to Kansas, expected to take a visit to Louisville here in the coming, uh, 10 days, I would say. Now that obviously could change, um, yeah. but as of right now, based on what I've gathered, I'm anticipating him ending up on camp, Louisville's campus in the next 10 days. Um, so trying to figure out where this is leaning right now, it's a, a little, probably too soon. Again, I would gauge it uh, right now at handicap it. It's likely he's going to go back closer to home. Uh, but when you take these visits, things change very, very quickly. So I'll have a better, much better understanding. I would say, you were to ask me that question in about 14 days once these visits are basically done. Yeah, well, maybe I'll reach out to you in about 14 days and see where you are with that. I do think the Louisville stuff, um, funny enough, was coming from Louisville, if, if I could read between the lines there. Um, it seemed like one of their coaches who maybe recruited McKinsey before at a, at a former program was the one who was really excited about putting that information out there, uh, much to McKinsey's chagrin. But like I said, I feel like that recruitment is very private. And a lot of times, you know, we get all the scuttlebutt, right, that gets leaked to the internet, but then there's a reality of the situation. And speaking of the reality, of the situation. The reality in New York is that there is a new leader in town. There is a new program to be reckoned with, and it is led by Rick Pitino, uh, a familiar face. And Rick Pitino um, has been hitting the ground running, right? I mean, that is really the best way to put it. He said St. John's is going to be a player in the in the recruiting game. Um, funny enough, when he was still at Iona, one of his assistant coaches was at a Nike event and was asked about, you know, being there and they kind of were like, wink, wink, we're recruiting for the next job. So Rick was on top of it. He, he knew that there was going to be an opportunity. He goes to St. John's. There's, uh, you know, a certain select group of schools that I would call the major players when you talk about top guys. Is Rick Pitino one of those guys again? Because it sure feels like it, you know, from the outside looking in. Yeah, I mean, he is a absolute legend in this space. And his name, him just walking into a gym, there's a presence in just his name carries so much weight, uh, even still on the recruiting trail. Uh, although these kids are born in the 2005, 2006, 2007 uh, generations, they still are very well aware of who Rick Pitino is, how successful he is, and how elite of a coach he is. 
Um, so honestly, when he got that job, they got off to a slow start. They struggled to kind of find some footing and land some of these transfers. They missed on a big one. Oh, uh, I want to say Walter Clayton. Hopefully I didn't butcher his name, but he was at Iona with him. He's expected to go with them from Iona to St. John's. He actually lost them down to Florida. Um, and that was a big hit. Um, but since then, I would say in the last two weeks, they've really found some tracks and they've picked up a couple high school transfers. Most uh, recently, Brady Dunlap, he was uh, previously committed to Notre Dame. But then on the transfer market, he's really rattled off a few with Glenn Taylor, uh, Quinn Zlazinski followed him, Cruz Davis followed him, Mahim Ali from UConn just winning a national championship, Dennis Jenkins uh, also from Iona. But they aren't done yet. They're actually in good spots. Uh, I believe currently with two good transfers, uh, one of those being RJ Luis, uh, a six foot five guard out of UMass. He was a late bloomer coming out of high school, uh, really had some big games for them throughout the year. Uh, his decisions really coming down to the wire between them and Louisville and Texas A&M. And then lastly, Jordan Dingle, he's one of the biggest names to hit mm. uh, this second or this lat- later half uh, of this transfer cycle. Um, he is a New York native. And uh, there's a, I, I believe as of this moment, they're the leader to land in. He's a big time shot maker and big body guard. Yeah. And he was the Ivy League player of the year, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of the craziest part about all of this. I think the first time that it really broke my brain was Tyrese Hunter at Iowa State, right? Wins Big 12 freshman of the year. And then next year, the next year he's playing at Texas, also in the Big 12, but, <laughs> but at a different school. Um, how hard is it? And I know it is for me just, you know, covering the game itself, but how hard is it for you to kind of, you know, this is a lot of moving parts, moving pieces at all time, trying to keep it all together. And also on top of that, the two-time transfer, how much is that a conversation too? Because a lot of guys haven't really locked into the idea. You can't keep doing this every single year. It doesn't register with everybody. Uh, Most one kid that really kind of jumps out is Brandon Murray transferred from LSU to Georgetown last year. Uh, That was a, a head scratching move. Uh, going from one of the top teams in the SEC, obviously, Will Wade was fired. Um, but he could have basically gone anywhere he wanted to in the country, and instead he chooses a, a team that was basically a sinking ship. I mean, if it wasn't already sunken by that point. Um, but this time he's transferring again. And the two-time transfer rule, from what I've gathered, if you're going to transfer a second time, if you want any chance of getting a waiver, especially if it's going to be a mental health waiver, it's got to be within a certain mile radius of your home. Um, and so for him, it doesn't sound, I mean, uh, he's a, a DMV kid, if I remember correctly. Yeah. No, he played high school in Florida. Um, so now he's going to Ole Miss. So I don't know if he was anticipating giving, getting a waiver, but I can't envision him getting one. So some of these kids are registers. Epton Reed, it's another good example. Honestly, they're high school teammates. Went to Gonzaga last year from LSU as well. He's back in the portal and he's had a hard time finding a spot. He's, his recruitment's bounced around quite a bit just because of that very rule. He's trying to find a place where he's going to be able to get a waiver. Uh, Virginia Tech was expected to get him, but to my understanding, they won't be able to get him a waiver. So now this thing is coming down to a couple other schools that are more within that race that you can get that waiver. So it registers with some, but not all. So it makes it a little bit more complicated. And obviously, uh, college coaches aren't very interested in that. They got to wait a year. They need to win now. And that's the biggest impact of the portal is the pressure has ramped up on coaches. Uh, we saw basically what Kevin Willard was able to do at Maryland this year. Uh, and so he's, he, and also Jerome Tang, can't forget to mention him at Kansas yeah. State. What they did uh, just out of the portal within one year, uh, fans have taken notice, really ramped up the pressure on these coaches. And uh, this, the leash is a lot shorter. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're, these multi-year transfers, especially if they're not a grad transfer, um, these guys are having a bit of a time uh, when it comes to finding a new home. Yeah, and we don't always have those conversations because, I mean, Efton Reed was a five-star guy. I mean, he was supposed to be someone that could be a one-and-done type player. And now, like you said, we've kind of, like, it seems like the portal and the programs, they all kind of, things move quickly, right, in the the space and the evaluation process and to how much of a leash you have with these types of situations. So that's always fascinating. You are in Lexington, Kentucky. You mentioned this, and we talked about Patino, and I have to talk about Calipari 
because John Calipari was Mr. One and Done. He kind of showed us what the the blueprint was in the one and done era when it comes to recruiting. And now he seemed to have shifted gears. He's kind of in the middle of the road, right? He does, uh, you know, he, he does the, the portal. He also still gets like he's got Dillingham and DJ Wagner next year coming in. But what is Calipari's new approach and being in Lexington? What is kind of the vibe on what Calipari is doing as far as roster construction? It's hard to figure out because he's bounced around in the past five, six years. Obviously, yes, he was Mr. One and Done. Uh, but I think the high school classes that started coming up necessarily weren't as conducive to that. So we saw Kentucky start tapering off a little bit. Obviously, we're still extremely successful. Uh, but once that COVID hit, year hit, I think that was a big punch in the mouth, right to the jaw. Uh, I think it rattled them a little bit. And they, so they corrected ship and they went almost too much transfer portal. Yeah. Um, and so you didn't necessarily go at, they still went after the elite high school players. But again, the high school, it comes and goes away. It's the talent, uh, talent wise. Um, so started trying to kind of mix in some one and done's mixed in with some, some transfers. Um, in the last two years, uh, wouldn't say they've gone too particularly great this year. They're, uh, well, I should go back to last year. They lose to St. Peter's. And then this year they're on the bubble for, over half of the season. Right. Uh, and then they, they obviously make it in, but still um, that's not Kentucky basketball. So now they're shifting it back. Let's go get some more of these elite talent players uh, out of, or the highly ranked players, I should say, out of high school. It's a better term for them um, because this 2023 class, frankly, doesn't stack up well when you look at uh, other classes that just in recent history. even it's one of the, to put it bluntly, it's one of the worst classes we've seen possibly ever, especially since I've been in this business going back to like 2014. Um, so they're going to need to mix in with a lot of, uh, I would say some experience, but their roster right now, a lot of question marks. Is Oscar Sheboy going to come back? Is Antonio Reeves going to come back? Um, do they need to go get a transfer guy like a Hunter Dickinson? Where does all this fit? Um, so their, their recruiting strategy uh, has been pretty fluid. I would say the last three, four years, they changed from one and done to transfers. And now that's trying to, mix in but this obvious 23 class it's very high school very high school heavy so it's going to be very interesting to see if they're going to be able to compete in the sec with guys that are much older uh, a lot of transfer heavy dominant uh, teams out there um, <laughs> next year i don't know how it's going to go but it's, it's definitely going to be interesting to watch yeah older is better that's what we learned in the ncaa tournament this year i think of the elite eight teams there was one true freshman starter um, you know, amongst that group of eight teams. So that kind of says, you know, what do you need to hear without, you know, hearing the truth kind of, you mentioned the 2023 class and I do find that, um, you know, fascinating. And if you, you know, kind of try to take a big picture approach, is there any, cause last year was Brandon Miller. Is there any guy in this class that could maybe jump out and, and just because of their potential and maybe they have a good fit where they, they step up or is there, is there, is there no one like that that really comes across? If you're just looking at sheer potential, there's going to be a few guys that just jump out when you look at them. Uh, Xavier Booker going to Michigan State. You see him 6'11", arms down to his knees. Tremendous talent, uh, but historically throughout his high school career has not been consistent or productive. Um, another one, Kwame Evans. Mm. He was an elite prospect early on going out to Oregon. You see him again, immense upside, so much upside. Uh, but again, the consistency in production hasn't been there. Um, so, so when you look at potential, there's some, and then Cody, I would should also add Cody Williams going to Colorado, younger brother, Jalen Williams with Thunder, uh, played at Santa Clara, uh, tremendous upside. He's a late bloomer. So he's not necessarily one of these other guys that emerged early. He's actually a big time late bloomer. So he could jump off the page next year. He's still got a ways to go. He struggled at McDonald's all American week. Uh, there's a bunch of practices leading up through that. Uh, he struggled a little bit there, but potential all there. Uh, but in terms of just like surefire, this kid's going to be the top three pick next year. No, I, I wouldn't say there's really any of them right now that I would put my money on. Um, it's kind of a, a, a just, it's a crapshoot, if you will, in terms of trying to project that right now. We're doing our final rankings right now and that conversation uh, and trying to just pick a number one player, it's been a wild conversation. We can't really find one. So we've we've come up with one uh, just that's going to be a safe player. It's going to be a, a 
high impact player next year. He's going to be a serviceable role guy at the NBA level. But the fact that we're projecting a number one player to be a serviceable role guy, potentially a fourth option at the NBA level, it's not exciting. Uh, so to answer your question, most exciting player, if I have to pick one person next year, it's going to be Isaiah Collier, elite playmaker, elite passer going to USC, not a good shooter. That's the biggest weakness in his game in the area he has to improve the most in. But you put that kid in a ball screen, he's going to put you in a blender and just set the table for everybody. Could see him average something like seven, eight assists a game next year. No problem at all. Yeah, I love him. He is, uh, you, when you were talking, I was like, the only guy I can see as a surefire starter in the NBA is Isaiah Collier. And I think he would probably have to be the de facto number one, not saying, you know, that there, if we say there is no number one guy, he's the one that kind of has to be there as the placeholder. And a guy that could potentially be next to him, if all of the, uh, the rumor mill is correct, is Bronny James, right? I mean, you, you talked about your final rankings. We've seen Bronny, you know, shoot up those rankings over time. Um, there's been some conversations, you know, about a guy like a Simeon Wilcher. He makes the McDonald's All-American game over Simeon. Um, you know, McCain was a better player in California, right? There's all these, like, conversations where people try to throw out little fire shots at Bronny James. His recruitment has been basically under wraps. How how much are you guys kind of waiting just to hear anything from Bronny? Because, I mean, he's about to graduate high school and he still hasn't decided where he's going to go play basketball. And as you and I both know, these rosters, they're being built right now. So teams need to know um, how much do we know about Bronny and when do you think we will know about Bronny? I think it's going to have to be sooner than later because these teams are not waiting around. They don't have uh, that luxury to sit here and wait and pass guys up in the portal um, so I, I would anticipate being sooner or later, but based on what we've gathered, I mean, I'm not saying it is USC, but if it's not USC, we don't, what else is there out there right now? Uh, some of the other schools that were potential options don't really sound like potential options anymore. Um, so this thing, I mean, to, to Bronny's, uh, just his whole high school career. One thing that's been weird about him is he's never spoken to the media. Jet is he's spoken, I think, one time, and it was not about recruiting. Nobody was allowed to talk to him about recruiting. Uh, so this thing, it's got to come down soon because the spots are filling fast. Even talking with potential or talking about potential guys that were like big-time names I'm talking about mm -hmm. that are weighing the option. Am I going to go in the portal? Am I not? The conversations that are happening around the industry is, so we're going to keep waiting. The spots aren't going to be there even for them. And some of these teams have guys in the draft process and potentially coming back, but they're not even waiting on them. They're just saying, you know what? If you're going to test this waters, we don't have time to wait. We have to take these guys in the portal. And that's exactly what they've done. Um, so same thing goes with Bronny James. I mean, obviously, Bron LeBron can just pick up the phone and put that call in and things. I'm sure he, he can move some mountains, but... Um, it's getting it's getting uh, pretty touchy out there in terms of his potential spots. Yeah, and if I'm him, I would like to play with probably the best player in the class, right? And Isaiah Collier, <laughs> and and stay in Los Angeles where you're comfortable. I think that's why most people are leaning USC. But when do we get to the point where Andy Enfield says, "I'll go find another combo backup guard"? to take this spot because I don't know if this spot's guaranteed, right? I mean, is it the weirdest recruitment you've ever seen or since you started back in 2014? Is it the strangest just because of all the th other factors at play? I would say it's strange in its own way. It's not, I, wouldn't, I don't know if strange is the right way to use it, to term it, because... It's just different, I guess, yeah. It's so different, yeah, because literally he's not... He doesn't talk to anybody. Um, so it's so quiet and so to the best. There's been recruitments in the past that take such bizarre twists and turns and just every which way all of the time. But this one is just so quiet and so close. Like it is absolutely unlike any recruitment. But to the USC point, like even uh, they're bringing back Boogie Ellis. You got Kobe Johnson and then Isaiah Collier. They've already lost one recruit because of the guys essentially that are returning. Uh, and that was Silas Demmer. He was a top 50 player in the 2023 class. He's now going to Georgia. Um, so where does Bronny fit into that? In other words, are they comfortable sending him to USC where he's likely only going to play 15 minutes a game? So we, this thing is getting tight, man. 
That's the only way I can put it. Yeah, um, and if he's expected, if the implication, right, is he comes there and he starts, how many teams at that high of a level, at a, at a, at a power five level, have open starting spots, you know, that are going to be actual contenders, right? I mean, I, I can't think of many off the top of my head, and especially if Oregon's one of those teams, I don't necessarily see Oregon fitting that mold. I don't see Ohio State fitting that mold, right? So then you're kind of running out of uh, of options. I, I know Colorado was one of those teams that people said was a dark horse because of Prime and, and LeBron had some sort of relationship, but I don't know if they know this, but Coach Sanders doesn't coach the basketball team. So, I, I mean, I think it, it'll probably be a little bit different. Tad Boyle might have some thoughts. But, I mean, is there any dark horse team that you could see that you're just like they have open spots, so maybe they take them and give them the minutes? Honestly, no. I mean, I don't even know if Memphis at this point has the spots. I know they just lost a commitment in Tyler Johnson. He's a top 100 player. But I'd have to honestly go back through their roster and kind of see where they stand. And if if they had one spot open, which, again, I can't remember off the top of my head, maybe yeah. they're the dark horse to beat. But I don't know, man. Like I said, this is where – this is the exact – what you just said is the conversations we're having right now. Oregon doesn't seem to make sense. Ohio State doesn't have a spot. Uh, USC is running down low now. So where does this go? We all have no clue. Yeah, that that is wild. I mean, Memphis is always a, a fun talking point. Um, Penny Hardaway is my guy. Penny Hardaway has had a very fluid staff over the years. He's brought in the likes of Larry Brown. He's brought in Rasheed Wallace. He just brought in a, a guy that some people call in the industry Rick uh, Slick Rick, a.k.a. Rick Stansberry. Rick Stansberry, as we call in our program, a bad guy, um, a BAG guy. He loves the bag. He loves to make things happen. Um what do we expect to see from Memphis recruiting? Because I, I think, uh, you know, Penny, I, I never doubt Penny. Um, and and do we think Memphis is going to be one of those power players? I mentioned Patino before, but is, is Penny Hardaway and Memphis still going to be in that conversation? Absolutely. Uh, Penny Hardaway, I mean, when you talk about some of the best recruiters out on the trail, he's absolutely one of the best. Uh, he connects with the kids and kids just have a draw to go play for him at Memphis. Um, and then, when you add in Rick Stansberry, they're absolutely going to be a threat on the trail. That's what Rick Stansberry does best. You, that Western Kentucky team he had this year was so talented. Right, they had no business uh, having as down of a year as they had. Uh, you can make a case for the roster makeup, but still, there was so much talent on that team. He's had so much talent at Western Kentucky. Uh, uh, Charles Bassey, was, right? They've had so many. I mean, they've had five star McDonald's All Americans go to Western Kentucky with him. Yeah, he. They're absolutely going to be a dynamic duo on the recruiting trailers, no doubt about it in my mind. Yeah. Um, so this 23 class that they got coming in, it's it's pretty interesting, man. Obviously, with the stuff that's happened with Mikey Williams lately, uh, I don't know if you've been following that. Got yeah. arrested uh, out in San Diego. Yeah, it's very unfortunate. You hate to see it. Um, obviously, we still don't know all the details and everything, so I'm not going to be diving into all that stuff. But there's some just smoke, obviously, there. Um, but yeah. 23 class, they hit it pretty big. They got a lot of commits coming in, doing well on the on the transfer portal. Uh, 2024, fully anticipate them to continue that trend, potentially even elevate it. Yeah, one, uh, one. I got two more things for you. One, um, as far as the coaches and the programs that are quote unquote hot right now, like I see Mike White out there with Georgia, they're getting you know four star, five star guys committing. I see Micah Shrewsbury at Notre Dame out there making things happen. Uh, you mentioned Kevin Willard, right? Had a great first year at Maryland. Maryland seems like they're back in the pool. They're making waves. Is there a, a program, a coach, um, you know, maybe a couple that that stand out to you that you're like? They're in the game now, and there's someone to watch out for. I mean, even Arizona and Tommy Lloyd, right? I see five stars going there as well. Uh, I would go with a handful. Duke is red hot. Uh, you haven't heard much about them lately, just frankly, because they haven't needed to go out and get anybody in the portal because they got Kyle Filipowski, Tyrese Proctor, Mark Mitchell, all returning next year to go with the number two class in the country. They've been extremely uh, aggressive in the rec on the recruiting trail early. In other words, they are getting their kids, they're pinpointing their kids early. They're getting them to commit early. So now they can just sit back and kind of relax and try to be more uh, calculated when the transfer portal comes along or if any of these kids decommit, maybe you can go get another high school kid. Uh, so they're still red hot. Just, just because you haven't heard their name doesn't mean they're not. Uh, Kansas, red hot too. Um, Bill Self has done an absolutely outstanding job uh, after that national championship here, they lost so much, but he went out, he reloaded there, another contender last year. 
And then this year coming in, they got El Marco Jackson, top 25 player. Currently, Chris Johnson, top 40 player. Marcus Adams, top 40 player. Jamari McDaniel, top 50 player. Uh, and then you add Arturo Morris out of Texas, a former five-star, and Nick Timberlake, one of the best transfers in the entire portal. And they are very much in this running for Hunter Dickinson. Uh, they are, Bill Self, that team. I would, <laughs> would not want to face them on the recruiting trail anytime soon. Uh, and ima- just imagine probably- if Bill Self actually coached in the tournament too, right? I mean, th- that was the <laughs> other part of this, you know? Exactly. And then last one I would go with is UConn. Coming off a national championship, and you're bringing in a top five class in the country. You've got a top 10 player in Stephon Castle, Solomon Ball that a lot of people love, top 45 player Jalen Stewart that I know the UConn staff is extremely high on, Jane Ross, a top 100 kid who's going to have a brother coming up that everybody will want to know about, Jacob Ross. He is a stud. Um, and then they also got a big man coming in, Yusuf Stigari. Uh, so those are the top three teams I'd say that are red hot right now. I know people are probably going to be questioning why Kentucky's not on there considering they got the number one class. Uh, but with all of the kind of question marks with their roster right now, I would put those other three in their own elevated tier. Yeah. I like that. Uh, the usual suspects there a little bit, and it's nice to see UConn back on top. So that that's always fun to see. Um, one last thing I wanted to ask you, which I feel like, you know, I said it was our, our topic of the off season tampering. Um, everyone's talking about tampering. It's, it's 12 months a year. We're all doing it. It's a very NBA thing that has come to college basketball. We're now in the, what they're calling the third wave of the transfer portal, right? How much tampering is real and happening and how much of it is the narrative that is building around it? Because, you know, I saw a guy commit to Auburn today and people were calling Bruce Pearl, like the ultimate tamperer and all this sort of stuff. But, but how much is that real? How much are you seeing of it? And how much of it is it is a quote unquote issue in your opinion? It's definitely happening. Um, no doubt about it. <laughs> I would say, I mean, right now you got over 1,500 players on the portal, only about 650 of those committed. A lot of those waited a few or had to, took like were legit recruitments, I'd say. They probably had a list of four or five schools that they knew they were going to look at. So if I were to had to use a percentage on what number of deals were essentially quote-unquote done before the kid ever went in the portal, I'd probably say roughly 10%. Um, it's not as high as it's made out to be, but still an awful lot. I mean, and when those, when I say 10%, I mean, we're also talking about probably the top 1% of all the transfers. So you're talking about the best transfers. Most of them pretty much have a good idea where they're going where they're to go uh, before they even hit the portal. Um, so tampering is very real. I know there's a lot of, a lot of mid-major teams that are having to fight off the big dogs as we speak, uh, trying to keep their players round for another year. Um, that's absolutely happening. Uh, just because the kids haven't hit the portal doesn't mean it's not happening. So um, it's very common. Um, honestly, I would probably even say it comes more from the player side than it does the coach's side. Uh, every January, February, calls are being made to coaches, not from, not from coaches to players, but from people around the players to the coaches uh, saying, hey, do you have interest in this kid? if you were to hit the portal in a month and that's the conversation that's more likely that's the the uh, most common uh, form of communication i'd say during uh the second half of the season so i don't know if you want to call that tampering but that's just the way this is happening yeah it's, it's kind of a way to create leverage right if you're a player you're saying i'm playing 12 minutes a game but i just talked to georgetown and they say i can start and i'll get 20 shots a game and then your coach starts scrambling he starts playing you a little bit more right there's a whole lot of politics that are going on but this is college basketball that's kind of always been the game the game's just a little bit different um travis branham thanks so much for coming on the show man really appreciate your insight we'll have to have you back uh maybe in 14 days right you told me to hit you back in 14 days when you have some more insights but uh thanks again for coming on the show and where can everyone find your work i want to make sure they go follow you too yeah first and foremost you can find me over at 247sports.com it's where all our written uh coverage you can find all your recruiting information over there from the transfer portal to just high school uh you can also find us on youtube we got a youtube channel uh up and running over at 247 sports we have our own high school recruiting and transfer portal college basketball we cover it all uh so let's start there then you can also find me on twitter trash random underscore and then Instagram, Travis Branham 247. Um, so really appreciate you having me, man. Really enjoyed the conversation. Of course, man. We'll have you back. Thanks again, Travis.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, there you have it. Uh, Travis Branham, great insight there. Um, he is, uh, the, if you want the Bronny scoop, if you want to know what's going on in Bronny land, I feel like that was the the best uh, conversation, most up-to-date conversation I've heard on it because uh, I've been waiting, Kyle. I've just been sitting around waiting and waiting and waiting, and Travis is saying teams are building the team without him. But the real story is Jordan Dingle, right? God. You're fired up. Oh, my God. Top of the list, skyrocketing. I might get a tattoo because now I feel, wow. I feel, I feel valuable now. I mean, that guy seems like you know what he's talking about. He's buttoned up almost all the way. He seems like, you know, pretty yeah. professional even at home. And uh, he just unprompted brings up Jordan Dingle and St. John's. Come right. on. Come Let, on. Let's be honest. We're in a position right now where we need our boss, your uncle, Bill Simmons, to care about college basketball at some level. Not at not at the level, you know, that he may have in the 90s or the early 2000s, but just at some level. And how do we make that happen First, it starts with Rick Pitino. Rick Pitino's back. He's on and popping. Second, we take a Harvard-Westlake kid, a local kid that Bill <laughs> knows personally. We take him to St. John's. And third, we get Kyle's guy, Jordan Dingle, on board. And I think that leads all of us to MSG, right? We all have to be in MSG watching It's inevitable. The game. It's yeah. already going to be. We were, we were, you know, kicking around doing some live shows this year. Um, no contract signed, but, you know, we've got our great... Um, our great coworker uh, Elizabeth out there scouting places, and we are definitely be we are definitely looking at uh, a St. John's game. And God, if Jordan Dingle's there, we might just have to figure out a way to get uh, Bill Simmons there as well. I think the the last step in the Bill Simmons thing is you had that um, you had that great gear box shipped to your house during the um, during the tournament. I think we get a bunch of old Big East T shirts, and we just you know. I know where I know where Bill lives. We'll just drop him off at his right. front door, and then he gets the nostalgia factor going. Uh, I think that's what we do. Whatever company that was, nineteen nine. Oh, there friend, we go. All our right. friends at nineteen nine. Maybe we get them, like you said, to build a little box out for Bill Simmons and just uh, the old Big East stuff. Old Big East. Yeah, everybody loves the old Big East, no matter what. Uh, maybe we get him a Carnesecca sweater. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. We do. We do all we can to propagate uh, St. John's and. I'm not biased, but, um, you know, here's my bias. I called a St. John's game. You know what I mean? I've been in Queens, New York. I've been in that building. And the funniest part about that was when Rick Pitino took the job, he said that place was too small. <laughs> um, the one place that I got to call a game on Fox Sports, he said it was too small. He will be in MSG. We will be in MSG. Um, that was a great conversation. I feel like Jordan Dingle is now officially Kyle's guy. So, uh, print the T-shirts, make it happen. Um, and if Rick Pitino gets Mbako, McKenzie Mbako, the guy that uh, decommitted from Duke, we're cooking. I mean, we're cooking. We got five stars in the building. Um, that's all we've ever wanted for Rick Pitino. He's a good guy. Um, actually, he's a bad guy, but he has good intentions, and he never cheated the game. Okay, remember that. He's never never cheated the game in his entire life, so we always have to uh, to put into uh, you know account our respect for Rick Pitino. All right, well, that does it. I mean, that, that's a show for us. Um, do How about we have the tampering coming back? I mean, not coming back. It's just, I like that. Like I said, he was pretty buttoned up. I didn't know how, how like, in the weeds he wanted to get. But he was just like, hey, let me put it this way. It's definitely happening. It's happening. And that's been my favorite theme of doing this show from from years back is that, oh, we've got some shit happening. And I like that guys like him are, are ready to just be like, yeah, listen, I don't know how much. 10% is not nothing. And I love that it's not nothing. Yeah, and and if you read between the lines what he said, he said 10% of the entire portal, but he said it was the 1%. <laughs> the best guy. So basically, 100%. It's 100% tampering. <laughs> if you're a top player, you're getting tampered with. It happens. We've seen it happen. Uh, Bruce Pearl, shout out to you for being the ultimate tamperer. Um, <laughs> I, I just love it. I love that everyone knows, but we also just, I guess, are just going to turn a blind eye to it and just, you know, keep walking, keep moving on. Um, you know, shout out to the NBA playoffs right now, by the way, we got some good games coming up tonight. We got the Lakers and the Warriors. This is game two in the Bay. Um, going back to what I said at the top of the show, it, it was ramblings of a man losing his mind in a, in a branding world. But, uh, <laughs> I, if you get it, you get it. I know what Nike's up to. 
I, as someone who scooped the Coach K farewell tour because I know Nike's game plan, I see what they're doing. They're doing a good job. But Steph Curry, we also see you. We respect you. We're going to do our best to protect your brand. Um, Under Armour, do something. Under Armour, please. Under Armour, please do something. The only thing Under Armour could do for Steph Curry, they're like the best I could do. They're like Pawn Stars. They're like best I could do is give you some dad all white sneakers. Remember when those came out? Yes. And then and then I'm out there like sticking my neck out for Steph Curry and Under Armour's like here is bra- here are the Curry fours. You're like golly. You're like what are we doing <laughs> cutting grass? Like what what the hell? So hit the mall. Uh, yeah, Under Armour had Tom Brady, Stephen Curry, Bryce Harper, and Jordan Spieth in 2015. Okay, that's a pretty good roster. And they did nothing with it. And and Tom Brady, so much so that Tom Brady started his own brand. He was like, <laughs> I'm going to start Brady brand. And Curry started his own brand. Um, oh, what's Curry's brand? Curry. Oh, okay. <laughs> guess what? That's the brand. That's the brand. The name is the brand. Uh, shout out to, to, to the brands Nike in general. sabotage, not unnoticed. Yeah, it is, it is right in front of our very faces. I mean, shout out to LeBron. The guy's been doing it for so long. I know, I know that some people at the top might be like, this is LeBron hate. It's actually not. It's Nike hate. And I love Nike. You know what I mean? This is like I'm a Nike kid. I've been ha- I'm I'm checked all day, man. I've never been three stripes. I'll never I'll never go to Adidas. I'm a Nike guy. I'm a Michael Jordan guy. I'm actually a Jordan guy now, but Nike owns Jordan, so de facto it is what it is. But I see I see what's happening. I have to say something. Aisha Curry, I feel like Aisha Curry right now, and she's like, I, I just watched it. I don't know if it's rigged for ratings or what, <laughs> but I just watched it. I I don't know what you want me to say. Um, but Nike, you're still winning the PR world. You're still, you're still winning, uh, you know, the PR battle, the brand battle, whatever you want to call it. Battle of the brands is what I like to call it. Um, but there you go. This has been one shining podcast. Thanks again to Travis Branham for coming on the show. That was a lot of fun. We'll have him back. Like Kyle said, he's buttoned up. He's locked in. He's an insider. He's an analyst. He's doing all the stuff. So we appreciate that. We will be back on Monday. Um, and hopefully in your feeds earlier than ever. Um, started this week, but we got myself and Kyle Mann will be, uh, you know, back on Zoom uh, talking about basketball, talking about the playoffs, talking about college basketball as much as we can. Who knows? Maybe we bring up Rick Pitino again. Those are always fun conversations. I really hope so, too, Kyle. Every show I come into, I'm like, can I talk about Rick Pitino? And there's just a voice in the back of my head that just says, yes. Just do it anyway. Yes, you can. In the words (laughs) of Nike, just do it. Just do it every single time. Again, this is One Shining Podcast, and we will see you on Monday. Sports. 